What's up, folks? I did not realize the live button had been pressed, but here I am. Uh, normally, I try to let the thumbnail set up there for about 30 seconds. That typically allows for whenever it's archived on Facebook that the thumbnail will automatically populate. That way, you're not looking at some kind of crazy still of my face, you know, doing something like that. Anyway, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about whether or not the Bible has been corrupted. I think I titled this about if the Bible was corrupted. I probably shouldn't say if, but I don't know. Well, we may change it. We may keep it. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to talk about Bible corruption. Has the Bible been corrupted? Can you trust? Like, listen, it's not about whether or not the Bible's true. That's a different conversation. That's a different exercise in logic. Today, we're just going to concern ourselves with whether or not the Bible has been corrupted by man. In other words, can we trust that what we have is an accurate representation of what was written down? And that's important because without that, you can't very well argue that the Bible was inspired. Because if the Bible were inspired, and I believe that it was, and it has been corrupted by man, then it then the fact that the Bible was inspired is a moot point. Because if it's been corrupted by man, we can't trust it. So we need to figure out first whether or not the Bible has been corrupted by man. And a good friend of mine, he's a gospel preacher. Uh, he actually went to the same seminary school that I did. And listen, the only reason I talk about my time in school, I talk about my teachers and stuff like that, it's because that was the time in my life that I look back on with some fondness and those acquaintances and those connections and those mentors and those teachers, they shaped who I am. I do not believe graduating from a seminary qualifies me to speak about the Bible. I believe being a human being with a brain qualifies me to speak about the Bible. But I am a personality, so I do want to showcase some of that personality, and I went to Memphis School of Preaching. It was a two-year Bible school that crammed four years of Bible into two years. It was difficult. It's designed to be difficult, and everyone through there, everyone that's ever gone through there is trauma-bonded. It's, it's much like going through uh, the military, but where the military trauma bonds you because of uh, physical and mental stuff, well, the Memphis School of Preaching trauma bonds you with mental stuff. I mean, I gained 100 pounds my first year there. It wasn't really, <laughs> we weren't doing a lot of PT, if that makes any sense. Anyway, I digress. Let's say good morning and hello. Uh, got 26 people in the live stream thus far. Y'all, that blows my mind. Why in the world 26 people in the wide, wide world ever want to listen to me is beyond me. It blows my mind. But I'm glad you're here, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. Good morning, Brandon Wild, Terry Crooks, the Sword and Pearl. Good to see you. I like how you uh, 
I like how you do your Psalms readings. Hello, beloved. Um, it's that would that would sound, I believe that would sound odd coming from me, but <laughs> I think I I'd like to get some kind of catchphrase like that. Um, but anyway, uh, I have a Potter. Good to see you, Scott Beck. Good morning, Connie Barden. Good morning, Angie B. Good morning from Texas, Angie B. How's the weather in Texas? Is it? Uh, I don't know how to explain this. Hello, Brock Kendall. How is the wet like down south? Is it stopped being winter time? Like, if y'all got it under control down there with the snow and the ice and whatnot? Because I will tell you, we have a winter storm that has moved in up here, and it dumped a lot of snow throughout the night. And um, the roads are oddly enough, the roads are pretty rough. Anyway, nothing too bad. I mean, we still have the infrastructure to deal with it. It's not going to shut us down, but. It's it's cold, it's nasty, and all that good stuff. In Tyler, we've had a mild. I know, I for, Angie B. Every time that you say that you're coming from Tyler, Texas, it I forget about it, and then I remember it when you say it again. My first Catahoula leopard dog came from Tyler, Texas. Is a guy that has a hog hunting operation out there, and I bought one of his females whenever she is just a puppy, and um, little Mexican kid that worked in the horse barn with us named her Chakira. And uh, so I had a Catahoula leopard dog for years named Chakira. And that's what got me. In fact, Maslow, Maslow, come here, buddy. Maslow is a mix. Come here, bud. Maslow is a mix between a Catahoula leopard dog. What's up? Yeah, he likes hugging. Uh, he's a mix between a Catahoula leopard dog and a uh, Airedale terrier. But I will probably, for the rest of my life, have a Catahoula leopard dog. All right. Might as well, you gotta get down, bub. Folks, let's get into the let's get into the podcast. Uh, first off, Brandon Myers wrote a humdinger of an article. Uh, I really like. It. Well, first off, let me give let me tell you why I'm, I reached out to Brandon. He wrote a post, a short post, and I sent him a message. I said, "Hey, dude, won't you expand this into an article? Would you do that and let me publish it on my Christianity Now Substack?" And he said, "What Substack?" <laughs> anyway. We got the article. So I'm going to, I don't know that I'm going to read a, read the article verbatim. I am going to narrate the article. And, oh, Maslow, let me tell you something, Sword and Pearl. Uh, Maslow is a honey. He is the friendliest. L- Look, I'm 46 years old. I have never had a pet dog. Now, I know you what you're just saying. Well, you just talked about how you had this Catahoula named Chiquita in it. No, that was a working dog. Every dog that I've ever had, with the exception of a little bitty Beagle Hound, Basset Hound mix, whenever I was like six or seven years old, every dog that I had was a working dog. They had to hunt, they had to herd, they had to do something to earn their keep. Maslow is just a pet. I have never had a pet. And this is the lovingest dog that I have ever seen in my life. Now, he, 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 he loves everybody. Unless he thinks that you're going to harm one of us, and then he will eat you alive. So, I think that's part of the Catahoula, but it's but that I don't know. Anyway, I just I've never had a I've never had a pet. Maslow's a pet. That's all. That's all he's good for. He don't hunt. He don't fish. He don't do math. He don't make me any money. He just 
I pet and he's supposed to be my emotional support animal. He is not. I am his. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to quit talking about my dog. Um, thank you so much for all the compliments. I, I love, I love, I love Maslow. Incidentally, the reason I named him Maslow is because of uh, Abraham Maslow, and he come up with this idea of the hierarchy of needs. So you can Google that. But, um, yep, Brandon Wilde says, I'm older than you. Well, how old are you? Um, I'm, I'm older than like every 45-year-old on the planet, but I'm younger than every 47-year-old. So, all right. Has the Bible been corrupted? Brandon Myers wrote a humdinger of an article. Brandon Wilde, 48. I tell you what, man, I never, I never thought I'd be looking at half a century. I say this quite often. If, I, if I'd have thought I was going to live this long, I'd have took way better care of myself. That may, that may be a good podcast for another day, talking about prudence. So I, I wanted Brandon to, to, to expand on his Facebook post and write an article. Let me, let me read some of it for you, and then we're going to look at the idea of can we trust what the Bible says? In other words, whenever I read the book of Ephesians, do I have an accurate representation of what Paul wrote? This is not a conversation about whether or not the Bible is true. This is only about whether or not the Bible has been corrupted by man. All right? So corrupting the Bible, conspiracy or history. So let's talk about modern conspiracy theories and what we what we can know about modern conspiracy theories. The idea that the Bible has been corrupted by monks or translators who desire to include their own agenda in the text is amongst one of the most infeasible conspiracy theories to date. A conspiracy theory is just the idea that a group of people are working behind the scenes to push a particular agenda. There are times when they are true though one could see the difficulty in successfully conspiring, especially on a massive scale. The more moving parts that are involved with the theory, the more difficult it is to believe. Let's take a moment to appreciate just how many quote-unquote moving parts would be necessary to corrupt the scriptures in a meaningful way. Now, I, I, I looked, I, ooh, I had a meme where effectively it said i know that the i know that the gospels are true because and it talked about how richard nixon had 12 people that couldn't even keep their story straight about something and this that and the other and then you have the bible with all its witnesses about the gospels and they all agree and their stories are all straight so I'm like that's actually a, a pretty decent little point i wish i had that meme to show you Oh, yeah, that's we have an overwhelming quantity of ancient copies of the Bible. And and let me tell you, let me first off, let me get the chat ring. Get that Brandon, that, that's going to be the key issue. Like anybody that comes up and says, Well, you can't even trust that what you have in the book of Galatians is what the apostle actually wrote. We have an overwhelming quantity of ancient copies of if not the Bible, at least the New Testament, okay? And that's important because that, that, that means that there, there would have to, if, if, you're going to, if you're going to conspiratorially corrupt the Bible in order to dupe, in order to pull one over on mankind, 
on humanity. It would have to be the uber minch of conspiracy theorists. No, not conspiracy theorists, conspirators. And it would have to be the grandest network of conspirators working across culture and time and space. Folks, we're going to show today that you can trust what's written down in your Bible. All right. Brandon said, I learned that on Sunday. Well, that's pretty cool. All right. I mean, I want to put a, oops, hold on. Let me get the, let me get the captions up here. Um, remember, I've been having problems with comments on Facebook. If you are commenting on Facebook and I don't acknowledge your comment, please consider going to YouTube and subscribing to Christianity Now streams on YouTube and commenting there. I want everybody that would like to participate in the live stream to be able to participate in the live stream. Okay. And unless you're being vitriolic, unless you're being combative, disrespectful, I will read your comments, even if I disagree with them and I want to offer pushback. And I will try my best if you are if you are arguing with me, which you're well able to do, and it, I think it makes for a good show. Um, I will be very respectful in my arguments to you. So remember, I, I'm just if I'm not reading your comments and you're on Facebook, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, it's because they're not populating where I can see them. Connie Barnes says there are some translations that are not the best. Absolutely, Connie, and. Um, yeah, and I think you you've you've been listening to me long enough. You've you've heard me talk on blue in the face. Listen, my one hundred percent favorite translation is the King James Bible. I know where all the holes are, but I will tell you this: the King James translation of the Bible, there is no damnable error. In other words, if you read the King James version of the Bible, you will never have to break out a Greek lexicon. Speaking of Speaking of folks, uh, Brandon Myers is here. He's he's the one that wrote the article we're looking at today. So I love the King James Version of the Bible. The reason I use the King James Version of the Bible is I know for a fact when I study the Bible with a non-believer, I'm probably going to have to use a modern dictionary to, to define some of these terms because some of these terms are, and when I say a modern dictionary, a modern dictionary with old definitions because you know, for instance, the um, the word prevent in First Thessalonians chapter four, the people who were dead in Christ. Uh, I I I don't. Wait a second. Do you mean the ESV, Brandon? You says you say EVS. I'm not. I'm I'm familiar with the English Standard Version, the ESV. Um, but let me finish my little spiel about the. About the King James Version. I know that I'm gonna to have to I'm gonna to have to look up the word prevent in First Thessalonians 4. I know that I'm going okay, gotcha. Uh, I know that I'm going to have to uh explain the word unicorn in the Old Testament. I know that I'm going to have to explain the word Easter whenever the word Passover should have been used. Okay. I know I'm gonna to have to do that, but what I'll never ever have to do is teach somebody the Greek language. 
if I use this book, where if I use more modern translations um, in one specific area, which is the Greek word pornea, I know that sometimes in modern translations, the Greek word pornea is simply translated immorality. Well, that's not good. In fact, that's damnable because according to Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for pornea, the King James says fornication, and marries another committeth adultery. And if you marry the one that has been put away, you also commit adultery. But that word pornea in the King James is translated fornication, which is apt. But in some of the modern translations, it's simply translated sexual immorality, and some dilute it to the point where it's just translating immoral. Now, what is immoral? Well, it's an act that's not moral. So according to some of the modern translations, if my wife goes out here and she gambles, well, that's immoral. That means I can put her away and I have the right to marry someone else. Uh, do you see what I'm talking about? Uh, it's fornication. Now, if it was sexual immorality, if, if my wife catches me watching pornography, which is sexually immoral, that means that she can put me away and have the right to remarry. Well, it's fornication. A fornication is, 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 involves two people physically together, okay? So the modern translations, I'll, I'll, I, would have to, I would have to break that down in the original language. In the King James, I would never have to do that uh, because it says fornication as it should. Now, someone asked, Brandon Wilde asked about the English Standard Version. I have no problem with the English Standard Version, uh, just like I have no problem with the American Standard or the New American Standard Version or the Revised Standard Version or the um, Holman Christian Standard Version. Just be honest with what you have. Uh, there are some issues. Like, there are some issues with the ESV, such as uh, I believe it's Zechariah chapter 6. Bear with me, uh, and and I, I'm going to take the time to answer this, but I don't want to turn this into a to a um. Well, why can't I talk? I can't talk and chew gum at the same time. Where am I going here? Zechariah, Zechariah, Zechariah. I would have been able to find it fast if I'd have just tur- faster if I'd have just turned to it. Right there, I couldn't find it. It was all right. I believe it's Zechariah chapter six, um. Now then, yeah, the crown of the temple. Let me read this. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Take them of the captivity, even of Heldai and Tobajiah and of Jedidiah, which are from Babylon, and come thou the same day and go into the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and the gold and make crowns and set them upon the head of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and speaking to him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build a temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and he shall set and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Folks, The and the crown shall be... Uh, 
to Helam and to Tobijah and to Jedidiah, but this is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to be prophet, priest, and king. He is going to be a priest while he sits on the throne so that at the time at which Christ is made high priest, the branches, the Christ is also going to sit on the throne. Well, let's go to the English Standard Version in that, and let's see if it reads differently. And say unto them, or say unto him, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord, and shall bear royal honor, and shall set and rule on his throne. And there shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. I think that that's an issue of translation, and the way it's translated, it comes across that the branch and the priest are two different entities. But we know from prophecy that the branch, which is Jesus Christ, the one who is sitting on the throne, is the king. I mean, is the priest. So anyway, that's just something to consider. But again, if you're honest with stuff like that, you can use the ESV. You can, in fact, the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, and he shall receive virtue and set and rule upon his throne, and there shall be a priest at his right, and counsel peaceable will be between both. Yeah, even this, this prophecy, um, the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, is problematic. All right. Let me get back to the King James. Yeah, he shall be a priest upon his throne. Yeah, my free version of eSword comes with ASV and KJV. I will be purchasing other versions. Yeah, and, and look, the point we're going to make about the translations, about the translations, the point we're going to make about the manuscripts and the fact that there are so many and the fact that it is so difficult to uh, corrupt the New Testament because in order to do that, you would have to corrupt thousands upon thousands of manuscripts and examples of the New Testament across time and history. That, that same principle is why I use the King James Bible almost exclusively but that doesn't mean that I don't look at any other translation because I want to see what other translators translated and why. I always want to know why because that tells me about as much as the technical translation. All right. Let's talk about the process. The process. Yeah, Robert Lee, the ESV is free uh, on eSword also. Yes. Yeah, uh, Scott, you might be surprised uh, just how many, because like on my, I, I haven't paid for any versions. Uh, uh, oops, hold on, cancel. And I have the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, the American Standard Version. Uh, I don't know what the ERV, the English Revised Version, the English Standard Version. I've got the Greek New Testament with from the Byzantine. 
I've got the Greek New Testament interlinear that's just a, an amalgam of all of them. I've got the Greek New Testament that's solely the Textus Receptus. I've got the Greek New Testament that's from the Westcott Hort family of manuscripts. I've got the International Standard Version, the King James Version, the King James Version plus the Apocrypha. I don't, I don't know what the LSV is. Literal Standard Version, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if it tells me. Probably doesn't. All right. I got the revised version. I got Young's literal translation. Yea, he doth build the temple of Jehovah, and he doth bear away honor, and he hath sat and ruled on his throne, and hath been a priest on his throne. See, that's just that's such a better translation than 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 the than the English Standard Version. All right, I got to be done. I'm 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 nerding out on you. I'm having too much fun. Well, I mean, I always have a lot of fun. Let's get back to talking about the process of corrupting Scripture. Um, listen to this quote from Bart Ehrman. Now, Bart Ehrman is really no friend of New Testament Christianity. He's like a he, I mean he he he's weird. He's kind of hard to nail down. You just need to Google him. But he is not a brother in Christ. Let's read this. We have more New Testament manuscripts than for any other book of the ancient world. Many, many more manuscripts than we have for the writings of Homer, Plato, Cicero, or any other important author. We have something like 5,700 manuscripts of the New Testament. From small fragments of tiny parts of a single book to complete copies of the entire New Testament. In the Greek language in which they were originally written, along with manuscripts in many other ancient languages, for example, Latin, Syriac, and Coptic. That is good news indeed. The more manuscripts you have, the more likely it is that you can figure out what the authors originally said. Um, the Sword and Pearl, I did see that. Um Tony, I saw that people are being flagged for buying Bibles. Did you see that? I have not had a chance to really dig into that, mostly because right now I'm in Canada, not the United States, and quite frankly, it it looks like all that stuff is coming from the liberal left in the United States. Canada may be flagging people for years for buying a Bible. I don't know. I know that Justin Trudeau has, uh, he, he considers Christians hate mongers. And he used COVID to go after a bunch of Christians uh, and actually imprisoned uh, more than one pastor. So, yeah, there's, I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent, whether you like it or not, Christianity is coming under some some fire. And we, we better back down the hatches. We better get ready. Brandon Myers says, I like comparing everything to, the, to Young's literal. Yeah. And, and listen, uh, I'm I'm not sure on a scale of one to ten. I mean, where does Young Literal line up with the ASV 1901 and the KJV? You know, and incidentally, I will tell you this. Um, I'm saying that Brandon to say, and I agree. I still I still read Young's Literal. Whenever, especially if I have a question, let me uh, let me go to Matthew. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna check. I'm going to check how Young's literal translates pornea. 
Matthew 19, 9. And I say unto who? Oh, boy. Yeah, they. And I say unto you, I say to you that whoever may put away his wife, if not for whoredom, and may marry another, doth commit adultery. And he who did marry her that hath been put away doth commit adultery. Yeah, I mean, that whoredom, that's a, it's a cringy word to, to say nowadays, but pornea in Greek, it's, I mean, when you dig down deep into that word, it's, it's stuff that you would do with a prostitute. So, yeah, that's, uh, I think young literal translation, I may make, a, I may have to make a concession there for my beloved, and I said beloved on purpose, my beloved KJV, maybe the young literal trans, but again, the young literal translation is kind of harsh when it comes to reading. In other words, not very smooth. Um, Jason Goldtrap says, I, I'm, I like BibleGateway.com because it has hundreds of versions in many different languages. I mean, yeah, it, it never hurts. If you're careful with it, if you're responsible with it, it never hurts to have more information. Now, I think that it is the case that you can be bombarded with so much information that you can you can have, I guess, conclusion fatigue or you can be overloaded or whatever. But anyway, back to has the Bible been corrupted? So we, according to Bart Ehrman, who is the scholar, in fact, he wrote the book on the on the subject. We have so many of these ancient manuscripts, some 5,700 of the New Testament alone. Now, listen to what Brandon Myers writes after that. Consider Mr. Ehrman's point. He states it is good news regarding accuracy that there are this many manuscripts because textual critics have more text to compare allowing them to be very accurate in respect to the original writings. The multiplicity of manuscripts work together as a sort of checks and balances. The amount of copies of the Greek New Testament is very unique when it comes to ancient writings. For example, Aristotle's Poetics was written around the 4th century B.C. We only have 10 manuscripts, and the earliest copy we currently have was written some 1,400 years later. Often, biblical skeptics make the claim that there is no way we have the original text because it has been corrupted in the process of copying or translating. But how justifiable is this claim? Well, according to Mr. Armand, around 94% of the Greek New Testament copies after dated around the 9th century. So using this approximation, that would make for a ninth century, it would take a ninth, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Using this approximation, what would it take for a ninth century copyist to corrupt the Bible? You see why I say in order for this Bible, in order for this little New Testament to be corrupted, you would have to go back, a th it would have to be a conspiracy that dated back to at least a thousand years. Can you imagine that? Can you just wrap your mind around that? This is very interesting, talking about what we know of history. I've been, I preached at a rather large assembly one time, and I said, I was talking about, you know, because some people, some people claim that in order to be properly baptized into Christ, 
it takes a Christian, okay? Well, my, my deal is, well, how do I know that a Christian properly baptized the Christian that baptized me? And then how would I know that that person that baptized the Christian that baptized me was baptized by a Christian? And how do I know? So you see how many generations you would have to go back. You'd have to go all the way back to the apostles. And here's what I asked. I said, please raise your hand if you know your grandfather. Okay, everybody raised their hand. Who knows their great-great-grandfather or great-grandfather? Fewer people. Great-great-grandfather, even fewer. Great-great-great. And then they just, nobody's hands. So tell me what you really, really know of your, not of your father, not of your grandfather, not of your great-grandfather, but your great-great-great. Now, that's only four generations, folks. That's, that, that's, that's, not, that's, that's, that's a couple hundred years at the most. That's not even a hundred years per. So just going back a couple of hundred years, it's basically a fog, a shroud of darkness. How in the world do we think that humanity could organize itself? A subculture of humanity could organize itself in such a way to keep up a conspiracy like the corruption of an ancient manuscript just for a couple hundred years. Forget a thousand. Tony, do you occasionally incorporate Greek text or definition in your lessons? Not knowing Greek, I find it helpful. So I do occasionally, but I, I'm very, very careful. Um, Curtis Cates said one time about the Greek language that, Kurt, that, that the Greek language Knowing the original language and studying the original language is like a really good pair of underwear. It's really, really good for support. You just don't want to show people. You don't want people seeing you wear it. I think I'll give you an example of what somebody did in class whenever I was in seminary. We would often get assignments where you could write an introduction to the book in which you had to write a 10-page paper about the date, the authorship, the reason for the writing, um, lessons from the book, historical things in the book, like you just, uh, an introduction of the book, okay? 10 pages was the minimum. You had to have five or six resources at minimum. And every once in a while, instead of writing an introduction, the teacher would say, you can pick a passage of scripture and you can exegete a passage of scripture. Well, one of my contemporaries exegeted a passage of scripture. And in his introduction, evidently he included a statement that went somewhat like, in order to actually understand or fully understand this passage of scripture, one must be familiar with the original language. To wit, my teacher got up in front of the class, and he didn't call his name, but we knew exactly who it was. He said, if any of you men ever include a phrase like that in a paper that you turn in, whether it's for me or anyone else, 
that communicates that in order to be under, understand the Bible, you have to be able to understand the original language or know the original language, I'm going to personally see that you do not graduate from this school, that you fail. I think what people have done is they have focused so much on the original language that they do not trust their English Bible. And that is that is damn wrong. My plea would be that everyone get rid of their Greek. You do not need the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic to understand this Bible. We have the Bible in language that we can understand. And while we have these resources, well, think about this. Do you know how hard it is to get a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Let me just do a cursory Google how long does it take to achieve black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Approximately 8 to 12 years. Now, that being said, purple belt is whenever you really become dangerous in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It takes you three to five years to become a purple belt. Now, think about this. What if you could go into a room as a 20-year-old male child, a male person, a man, and like Neo in the Matrix, download all of the power and danger and formidability into your brain that a person who has trained for a decade, you would have the ability to be very, very dangerous but you would not have the temper of wisdom. So you would be, well, you would, you would be like Lenny of, of, of mice and men. Lenny was, was mentally retarded, but he was so very, very strong that he was dangerous. If you could download all of the skill and ability of a person with a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, into the mind of a 20-year-old kid, he would be so dangerous with none of the wisdom that comes with discipline and work in order to be able to control that power. I want you to think about the scholars of old. Here's what happens with my contemporaries. Here's what happens with some of my brethren and again, I'm not saying that I don't want you to study the Greek. I'm not saying that I don't want you to have a mind for study. But it is so easy. In other words, I can sit down and in an hour, I can, I can do a deep dive word study 
that would have took someone like Guy N. Woods months to do. He would have to travel to different libraries. He would have to have stuff mailed to him. He would have to go track down sources where I just have it all at my fingertips. I've often said of my brethren, my contemporaries, who are scholars, who are on the quote-unquote lectureship circuits, who get called to preach at these uh, gospel meetings and lectureships and stuff like that. You know, these people, they're standing on the shoulders of giants, and they're stupid enough to think they're tall. Same person, same teacher. Um, this guy had a had a Bible program. Now, the teacher that I'm talking about, he he ha, he is he holds a doctorate and he has two masters. Um, he knows. And this student tried to from from this guy's Bible software. This student tried to correct this teacher in class one day. Well, it turns out the student was wrong and the teacher was right. And it's it's not that the student got wrong information from his Bible software. It's his student was not studied enough to even be able to interpret correctly and draw the right conclusion from the information he had access to. I am very, very careful about how I use the Greek language and how I speak about the Greek language. And I would rather somebody go to university and pay for a course in Aristotelian logic and never know one iota of the Greek language or the Hebrew or the Aramaic. Because you are much better equipped to ascertain God's will from his word, being well-versed in logic, because you have the Greek. I mean, you have the, the, the words translated for you. That's right. Information overload can be dangerous. You got that right. Now, it sounds like, and I, I, don't, want you to, I don't want you to take this away, it sounds like what I'm saying is don't study the original languages. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying study the original languages, but understand what you're doing and understand that the Dunning-Kruger effect is a problem. You know, it's, it's, not that you're, it's not that you might be ignorant of something. It's you are ignorant of that of which you may be ignorant. Like you don't even know what it is that you don't know. Um, like there, 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 is, there are rules of syntax in Greek and Hebrew that just don't translate to English very well. Uh, like, for instance, there are things like, for, take, um, well, take the word adultery. I cannot tell you how many people they'll, they'll they've got Esword. Okay, so they'll go to Esword and they will, let me go to the King James. Let me do a search for adultery, A-D-U-L-T-E-R-Y. All right. Oops. I don't want to do them. I want to do the book of Matthew. All right. Right here. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, adultery is Strong's number G3431. It's 27 times in the New Testament. 
And it means um, to commit adultery, to be an adulterer, to commit adultery with or have unlawful intercourse with another's wife, of the wife to suffer adultery, to be debauched. It's a Hebrew idiom. The word is used of those who at a woman's solicitation are drawn away to idolatry, to the eating of the things sacrificed to idols. So they will they will look at that definition and they will conclude then that adultery is a sexual act. There's just one problem. That's not the way the term is used in Scripture, and that's not the way the term is used in extra-biblical manuscripts. And I actually had a, a conversation where I was like, you know, a man can commit adultery against his wife and not have sex. Oh, no, that's not right. Well, what do you mean it's not right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and let's... Let's see. Hold on. Whosoever, oh, come on, Tony. I can't. Give me just a second. Oof. It is Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 28. I was right there. What, what was wrong? All right. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, that is committing adultery without the sexual act. That is just looking at a woman for lusting, for the purpose of lusting. So a person that looks and keeps on looking and he's doing it for concupiscence, to lust, sexual lust, he's committed adultery against his wife. You know what that means? If I look at pornography, I am committing adultery against my wife. Oh, man. Sorry. I fell, and I thought I broke my arm, but it's fine. It's just got a big old wop knot bothering me. Anyhow, back to the point with adultery. Uh, Brandon Myers also, when every point we make is from the Greek language, I wonder if it gives the impression that you need to know Koine Greek to understand the New Testament. Brandon, I think that's exactly the case. I think it is. I don't, again, I think, I think knowing the Greek is like having a real good pair of underwear. If you're a Bible teacher, my suggestion is be familiar with the original language and do word studies, but don't bring it in publicly. In other words, that's just for you. Now, back to the, the idea of adultery. A very prominent gospel preacher, I'm talking about one that, I mean, he's the one that's considered the authority on everything, and he's the one that um, all that good stuff goes into, um, does all these videos and stuff like that that everybody looks to for the answers. But this dude tried to put me in my place and was very condescending and said, no, adultery is a sexual act. And I'm like, it is not. It cannot be. Let me tell you why it cannot be. And I said, you don't even believe adultery is a sexual act. Let's say, God forbid, that I just don't like the way my wife cooks biscuits. And so I 
kick her out of the house. But we're still moral. I, we just decided we don't want to be together anymore. And so I kick her out and, and we're divorced. And then I meet a woman and we start courting. Everything is sexually pure. I don't, I don't have sex with her, but I tell her, like, look, I'm a gospel preacher. I'm a Bible teacher, and I've, I've divorced my wife for irreconcilable differences. She didn't, she didn't cheat on me or anything. We just fell out of love because she don't cook biscuits. How well do you cook biscuits? <gasps> you cook biscuits really well. Let's get married so we can enjoy the physical pleasures of a, a marital relationship. So me and this woman get married. Now, when the officiant of the wedding presents us as husband and wife, are we committing adultery at that point? Because I'm married to this woman that I have no right to be married to. According to Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, I am committing adultery because I have put my wife away and it has not been for fornication. It was irreconcilable differences. It has nothing to do with immorality, sexual or otherwise. So I'm committing adultery, the point at which I am married, and I'm putting myself out there to be married. That, that's, that's explicit to Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. But folks, I've never had sex with her. So it doesn't matter what your e-sword says. It doesn't matter what your purple olive tree whatever Bible software says. It doesn't matter what your Logos Bible software says. The problem is with the most resources that people have for the Greek, it's a little bitty tip of the iceberg. Another, for instance, uh, let's go to Ephesians 5. Um. Ephesians 5.18, here's a good one. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. All right? Why, why does the word drunk, why is the word drunk there, and why do we have so much problem with alcoholic consumption? Um, first, ooh, good grief. First off, and incidentally, thank you. Uh, ooh, I know the Bible is true. The Book of Mormon has nothing to back it up. That it does not. No, that's that's the problem with the Book of Mormon, is it it was it was it was originated in the mind of a man, and um, thank you, Sword and Pearl. Sword and Pearl says, "Ouch, Tony, sorry you fell. That's an awful feeling. Glad you're okay. I appreciate it. My pride's hurt awfully bad, and I guess my, I guess my arms hurt awfully bad. Good grief! It's a, it's a knot about the size of of my cupped hand here. That's. I wonder if you can. Yeah, can y'all see that? Good grief. Anyway, all right, I'm done. I got to get back to the lesson here. Um, but listen to this. And be not drunk with wine. Now, we have all kinds of problems with that because in the 21st century, we use the word drunk as a, as a noun that denotes a state of being. All right, like he is a drunk. Well, if a person is drunk because he is a drunk, then that person is falling down, slurring speech, stuff like that. We translate it as a noun. There's just one problem. 
Muthutheski is a verb. In fact, we can, um, using my trusty rusty e-sword, I can go to the Greek New Testament, Textus Receptus, and, oh man, I, I don't pronounce this very well, Muthutheski, but it's a, a verb, present, passive, imperative, second person plural. It would have been much better to translate it, be not intoxicated. Because intoxication is different in our, in our 21st century minds, okay? Um, we typically define drunk as when a person is bereft of mental faculty. In other words, they're slurring speech, they're stumbling, they're, you know, they can't drive or anything like that. They can't do anything. They're drunk. They're slobbering drunk. But here it's intoxicated because it's a verb and it's the, and, and drunk is a past participle of drink. So you be not drunk because once you take one drink, you are drunk. That's how you conjugate that. Studying the Greek will not help you come to that conclusion. Studying Aristotelian logic and English grammar will. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Um, the way you conjugate that, I. this is coffee. Right now, I am not drunk with coffee. I took a drink of coffee. Now I am drunk with coffee. How much coffee do I have to drink in order to be considered drunk with coffee? I just have to drink coffee. It doesn't matter how much. How much toxin do I have to ingest in order to be considered intoxicated? Because that's what to intoxicated means. It means you have ingested toxin. All right. Um, that's all I've got about that. So that, that's why I'm saying just be careful how much weight you give to studying original languages. You do not have to know them whatsoever. All right, back to the article. Um, so we would have to go back a thousand years, roughly, to, to keep up this conspiracy of, of, of corrupting God's word. So this means, based on what we've looked at thus far, that there are around 285 copies of the Greek New Testament before the ninth century. So 95% of the copies of the Greek New Testament are from before the ninth century. So we would have to go back 900 years, but now we've got to go farther than that. The first step the copyist must take in order to corrupt the New Testament writings would be to find all 285 copies and change them without his ink work being obvious. He would go all over the world to find every single copy that was written before his time. Now, if that seems infeasible, it is said that one could reassemble at least 90%, then that's an overly conservative estimation, of the New Testament exclusively by copying it from the works of the early church fathers. No doubt some of these men had first century copies. So the copyist would need to go through every single one of their copies of every one of their writings of every one of the church fathers and edit them without any evidence of doing so and put them back. 
My teachers say 1,900 years. Yeah, well, you well, yeah. I mean, that that's that's the problem, right? You you would have to go like I'm I'm just using this as let's pretend that none of this is true. Let's pretend that it all came from man. Yeah, you would have to. Yeah, you're 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 going to have to go back two thousand years. So, the copyist is left with just one stack, one task. Much before the copyist time, people were already translating the New Testament into other languages, including Syriac, Coptic, and Latin. In fact, did you know that for years, scholars thought that Latin was the original language of the scriptures? They thought that Latin was the language of God. Anyway, so if you're going to corrupt the New Testament, you would also have to go get all of the translations into other languages, Syriac, Coptic, and Latin. And after all this hard work searching for other manuscripts, you need to find every copy in each one of these languages and change them and put them back again, but with no evidence of doing so. All the estimates are generous, given we are still finding early manuscripts to this day. Imagine how many more early copies the 9th century copyist would have had. It seems outrageous that a man or even a multiple or even multiple could successfully search for and corrupt this many manuscripts with zero evidence of doing so. Folks, it is just infeasible. Regardless of whether you believe it's inspired or not, what we have in this book is exactly what the authors wrote. Now, we can make an argument that it's false. We can make an argument that it's not true, that it's just from the mind of man. Doesn't matter. We do have a faithful representation of what they wrote. So now, to cast doubt on the believer, skeptics will sometimes say, yeah, Jason O'Brien, no one is going to tell me that my King James Version is corrupt. As well, they shouldn't. Your King James Version, that, that's another problem that, that I have with these folks, especially that, that want to extol the virtues of these modern translations. Oh, the King James, it's just full of, the King James doesn't have a drop of Calvinism in it. The King James doesn't have a drop of Catholicism in it. In fact, there is a verse that Paul writes to Timothy. I'm not going to tell you where it is. I want you to read First and Second Timothy, where Paul writes that we're going to show who is the only and powerful potentate. Now, again, you do not have to know Greek. However, this is kind of funny. When you look that word up, the word is translated elsewhere, almighty. There is no reason to translate it potentate other than for the translators to take a dig at the Pope. Jesus Christ is only the potentate. The potentate don't sit on a throne in the throne in the Vatican. All right. Uh, it's crazy that this is what we talk about in Sunday school. And here Monday, I'm hearing it again, like God wants it pounded into my brain. That is very interesting, Brandon. I, I do believe in providence, and it is very possible that may, 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 maybe you needed a double dose, Bubba. <laughs> maybe God's telling you something. All right. Which, what does that say about me? Am I so arrogant to think God is using me to talk to you? Eh. I wouldn't repeat that. All right. Um, at least I wouldn't repeat it for the truth. 
Sorry. Boom. Mm. I'm sorry. Oh, I just I just set my arm down on that bump. Okay. Uh, I got to be careful. This is really. I'm 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 trying not to be histrionic, but the pain is really messing with me. Okay. Um, it's not the translation more than the action of what is written. There are hundreds, maybe thousands of denominations which are based on the KJV. Yeah, but, and, and true, and I understand. I'm not saying yeah, but. I'm saying yeah, and um, there are also more uh, congregations that are actually owned by Jesus that were based on the writings of the KJV. So you're, you're right. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter what somebody does with it. No, uh, uh, Jason, that's not. <laughs> you're saying it doesn't matter what somebody does with it, and that's true. I'm telling you, this pain's messing with my head. It matters more what somebody does with it. You can you can write the truth, and somebody can misinterpret it and still do wrong with the truth. Um, I I may get it looked at. Um, it doesn't feel broke. It's just awful. Anyway, let me finish this. Um, yeah, thank you, Jason. <laughs> I I didn't mean to. I took what Jason said and I changed it to the opposite and I attributed it to him. I didn't mean to do that. Um, yeah, I probably I probably need to get it x-rayed. It could be a chip bone. Yeah, because it came down on the step. I fit, so we coming down to the basement, we've got three steps, then a platform, and then uh, nine steps. And when I stepped down into the second step, my feet slipped out from under me because of the, because they were wet and I didn't realize it. And I just come down and I caught myself, but I caught myself on that arm and the corner of that step hit the, the radius is on top and the owner is on the bottom and hit the owner. And I really thought I broke it. Yeah. Hairline fracture. And I tell you, I, I just, Oh, I think it's getting bigger. It, oh, now it hurt to move. Okay. Yeah. Bear with me. Okay. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the concluding thoughts and then we'll wrap this up. There is no book from the first few centuries or earlier that are as well documented as the Greek new Testament, no matter what type of sophistry and skeptic uses there is no way to get over, excuse me, no matter what type of sophistry the skeptic uses, there's no way to get over the simple fact that it would be realistically infeasible for a person or a group of people to corrupt such a well-known documented text. When we pick up our English Bible, and that's your KJV, that's your ESV, that's your RSV, that's your, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm just telling you, if you've, if you've got a reputable translation, you can trust it. When we pick up our English Bible, we can read it in confidence that we do have God's original message to us. And I'm so thankful that Brandon uh, Myers wrote that article. Now, I'm not feeling up to it, but if you go to Christianity now, uh, hold on a second, let me get the... Well, where is it at? 
Christianity Now group. Yeah, if you'll join the Christianity Now Facebook group, I shared a PDF that I stole that, buddy, I thought it was really good. Um, but it's 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 a handout, and it's from, oh, let me pull it up. It's from Christian Apologetics and Resource Ministry. I have no idea who these, who these folks are, um, but here's an ancient manuscript comparison chart. And for instance, Plato, the date written was from 427 to 347. The earliest copy that we have is AD 900, and there's approximately 1,200 years between the original copy and the manuscripts that we have, and there are only seven of those copies. Um, Tacitus, there's 1,100 years. Uh, there, there's 1,000 years, and we have 20 of those copies. copies. Aristotle, 1,400 years between his writings and our earliest manuscripts, and we only have 49. Now, nobody argues, well, here's a good one. Here's a better one. Homer's Iliad, all right? The date written, 900 B.C., earliest copy, 400 B.C. The approximate time span between the original writing and the copies, 500 years. There's 643 copies with a 95% accuracy between those copies. Nobody makes the case that we don't have what Homer wrote. The New Testament. We have 5,600 copies. It was written between 50 and 100 A.D., and the co- the earliest copy that we have is from 130 A.D., less than 100 years. And all of those copies have a 99.5% accuracy. There are thousands more New Testament Greek manuscripts than any other ancient writing. The internal consistency of New Testament documents is about 99.5% textually pure. In addition, there are over 19,000 copies in the Syriac, Coptic, and Aramaic languages, totaling more than 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. Folks, do you really think that there has ever been any group any group that would have been able to pull off corrupting the our New Testament. Uh, that is a point on which I would have liked to elaborate a little more. Yeah. And I mean it and it and 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 it it needs if it if it doesn't if it doesn't need if it does if it's not elaborated on, it at least needs spoken. But Brandon, I mean I, I think you wrote a masterful argument and uh, uh you made a masterful argument. I think you wrote a masterful article, but I, I think for for what you had, I mean, it's a blog. It's a blog article. A blog needs to be between five hundred and a thousand words. Um, I mean, we're not writing scholarly work here. You know, this is this is it's just a 
It's just a blog. It's just a blog spot. Um, yeah. Well, so, okay. Good example. Okay. I'm going to take this comment. I got to get off here, folks. In fact, there's two comments I want to take. Um, I'm going to put this one up so I don't forget it. Um, but Diana Harden says, I came in very late to the podcast. We'll listen to it fully later. Not sure what all has been discussed, but I completely trust all. I completely trust our all powerful God to be able to keep his word safe and uncorruptible throughout time. By the way, feel better, Tony. I shall try my best, but that's such a good. In fact, go Jason, I'm going to get your comment. I want to end on it. Um, cause it's a good comment. Yeah, this is amazing. And, and, and we should. Okay. The conversation today has been nothing but can you trust that what we have written down is what was written down? Well, obviously you can. However, for those of us who are Christians who believe in the existential nature of Almighty God and that God rules in the kingdoms of men and sets up the basis of men to rule the nations, and there's nothing that tells me that he has stopped, that means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are working in the world today God preserved his word. You will never convince me that God did not actively work in the world to make sure that you and I have a reliable copy of his word. But again, that you you're not going to convince the atheist of that, so there's no reason. Just focus on what tell me how tell me how exactly you think this book was corrupted. And look, everybody, go this this article is for free on Substack. Go to go to Substack and type in Christianity Now and you'll find the article. Um now let's 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 end because I want to make a point from Jason's. Am I going blind? Go trap. There we go. Um all right. The New World Translation is a bad Bible. It is the text of Jehovah's Witness. Now, those of you that are listening to this after the fact or listening now and not watching, you won't be able to see what I'm doing. But I'm kind of putting my tongue in my cheek and I say, uh, like, if, if is that true or not? Well, yes. Well, I said yes, but I shook my head no. I don't think anybody should be using the New World Translation. But I've got a copy of it. I've studied from it. I've looked at it. Folks, with the exception of the uh, of the first verse of the book of John, it's a perfectly adequate translation. Now you got to be careful. I mean, don't don't believe the Jehovah's Witness malarkey that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. I mean, they just added that to the text. But even so, if all somebody has is the New World Translation. I can study with them, and from the New World Translation, I can actually convert them out of the Jehovah's Witness cult and into the church that Jesus died for, the church about which he spake when he set upon this rock, I'll build my church. So I agree with you, Jason. You're, you're absolutely correct. I would, not, I would not purchase a New World Translation for anyone, and it does have Jehovah's Witness doctrine in it. But even if that's all somebody had, I could teach them the truth from that. That's how powerful the word is. The word of God is so powerful, you can even change its form and set it to rhythmic meter 
and convert somebody to Christianity? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Don't you want to be coming into contact with that flow of blood? Folks, that's Bible. That's Bible. Uh, Bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves. Listen Listen to Psalm 126. I keep saying I got to get off here. Um, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them the dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof are we glad? Or whereof we are glad? Turn again our captivity, O Lord, of the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth with weeping, goeth forth in weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. We are sowing now, and we're sowing to tears, but we shall reap with joy. The, the word of God is powerful, that even when men try to muck about with it, It doesn't take away its power. Folks, thank you so much. Yeah, the New Living Translation, it's it's not a translation. No, no, no. Yeah, there's a difference, incidentally. There's translations, there's versions, and then within those two categories, there's subcategories. So, like, for instance, there's, um, well, Young's Literal Translation. Well, that is a translation because it goes from the original language to a new language. But if there was a version, which the English standard version is a a revision of the revised version. But that's a podcast for another time. Folks, you can trust your English Bible. Now, because you can, what are you going to do with that? Read it. Study it. Spend time with it. Fall in love with the word of God. Folks, thank you so much. Uh, pray for me and my arm. I think it's going to be all right. Um, but I'm hopefully I can get into, maybe I'll try to get in to see a doctor. Canadian healthcare is absolutely terrible. Um, if, I, if, if my arm was a bloody stump, I might be able to be able to go to the emergency room and get it seen about. But today they probably won't do nothing. Oh, Yeah, it's the oh okay, folks. I gotta quit messing with it. This has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. Uh, we thank you so much. And in fact, uh, don't forget. I, I told YouTube that this was a. Um, I told YouTube that this had a paid advertisement. So remember, are you a church? Con- are you a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the news about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Whether it's flyers, postcards, social media graphics, Lindsay's got you covered. You can reach out through a private message or on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com today. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, Angie B. Thank you. 
Brandon Myers, uh, Brandon Wild. Thank you for the prayer. And thank you for the prayers for everybody. And uh, guys, I'm going to get off here. God bless y'all. We'll catch y'all tomorrow. And uh, that's it. Be sure to subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. And for the all the articles, check out Substack. God bless you. And we'll catch you on the flip side.